Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, our thank you gift, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael in part three of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called, For the Good of My Neighbor and the Glory of God. Verse 25 is a practical example of the day. Paul says, eat anything that is sold in the meat market. Just imagine somebody going maybe to a local store in our day without asking questions for conscience sake. Now, here is a specific example because the talk had been about food sacrificed to idols. And Paul was saying, be careful. Don't go to the idol's temple and participate in the worship as they sacrifice meat to their gods and goddesses. But if you go into a meat market, and let's say that you're going to buy some nice New York steak, and it's on sale at the local store for $5.99 a pound. And you go, oh, perfect. I'm I'm barbecuing for Mama's Day. This is perfect. Mama liked this steak. Well, you don't say to the butcher, hey, uh, while you're getting that steak, was that sacrificed to Zeus anytime this week? Don't ask any questions. You say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor Michael? Well, in the ancient day, meat was a delicacy, so not everybody got to eat meat regularly. And secondly, sometimes meat was actually involved. The animal was sacrificed to a god, a false god or goddess. And then it ended up, leftover meat was in the meat market, and it could have been involved in some sort of pagan thing, some sort of pagan ceremony. If you don't know as a Christian, look, uh, idols, nothing in the world. Meat is just meat. So if you don't ask any questions, your conscience doesn't need to be condemned. And you go on and you cook your steak. But if you say, did Zeus have any part in that? And the butcher says to you, lady, do you want the meat? Sir, do you want the meat or not? You ever had a butcher say that to you? (laughs) Stop asking questions. But the minute that you know, Paul says, your conscience could be impacted. Here's how you qualify it. Meat is meat, for the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. That's Psalm 24, verse 1. God owns the cattle on a, thank you, on a thousand hills. And that's just a way to say everything in the world belongs to him. He owns all the cattle, even the ones that are saying, eat more chicken, eat more chicken. He owns it all. Every beast of the forest is mine, Psalm 50, verse 10. The cattle on a thousand hills, I know every bird of the mountains, everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all it contains, Psalm 50, 10 through 12. Example number two. If one of the unbelievers, somebody you're trying to reach, invites you, it would seem, to their house here, and you wish to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. You are not called to be a meat inspector. (laughs) So you go over to your friend's house, unbeliever. You're trying to win them to the Lord. You want to show them the grace of God, the glory of God. You walk in the door and you say, "What what are you serving tonight? And they say, steak. And you look at your spouse, should we ask him? Was Zeus involved? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> look, you're at their house. 
at stake. Everything belongs to the Lord, right? That's probably going to lose you an opportunity to win them to Jesus. <laughs> Did you sacrifice this to Zeus? <laughs> right? You're trying to show them that Zeus is false and Jesus is true. So you go in there. Just don't ask any questions. Just eat what's put before you. There's a wide application to this, isn't there? It is very unwise to ask questions when food is put before you, especially if it's been cooked by a close family member. Don't ever say, what is this? It's a terrible career move, right? That's what manna means, by the way. What is it? That's what got the Israelites in trouble. What is it? <laughs> If anyone, though, is there, and some believe that this is the host, some believe it's another believer that's there. If anyone, say you're, you're at the table, should say to you, this meat was sacrificed to idols. Don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. Now, there's a big debate about who is the one who informed you. Is it a Christian who found out some secret information about where the meat came from? I saw him in the store, right? Don't eat it. I don't think it's that because if it were that, why is that Christian at that meal to begin with? Right? Maybe it's the host who knows the Christians and, you know, their concerns and maybe he informs them so that they can be in the know. He might say something like this. You Christians don't eat meat involved in pagan sacrifice, right? Well, now you don't want to give the wrong impression. And so you will not eat for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. You see, whatever we can't do from faith ends up being sin or it can stumble somebody. I know this is a ancient example, but you can probably think of some modern ways to walk this out. I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Look, if I have, uh, and he's coming back to the point in verse 27. Let me read my notes. Now that Paul has hit on the wrong setting to partake, he now is returning to the thought of 1027 to explain why it is permissible to eat whatever is put before you at the home of an unbeliever. The legalist should have no say to say, why did you do that? Why were you there? When it comes to matters of conscience to reach people. Paul said in chapter 9, I've become all things to all men that by means of that I may win some of them. Jesus went into certain contexts, never justifying, of course, he would never tell a believer to go into a sinful situation or compromise but sometimes you're going to be in a situation where maybe what's going on around you is not honoring to the Lord, but you're there to be a light to those people. Amen? So Jesus was sometimes in places. This is the story of Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Come down from that tree. I must stay at your house. He hurried down, did the wee little man. And he received Jesus gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he has, Jesus has gone into the as a guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said, Lord, 
Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him today, today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Pray tell, brothers and sisters, how are you going to bring the gospel to unbelievers unless you step into some arenas where they actually live? You're going to have to step out in some situations. Some years ago, there was a, a person who passed away, and I was asked to come as a pastor, and I entered into the home, and there, was, there were people in there drowning their so- sorrows with alcohol, you know, just, just a bunch of chain smoking going on, down faces, no hope of the gospel, you know, alcohol, you name it, and... Nobody really wanted to talk to me. I felt a bit alienated as the Christian there in the room and the pastor. But they had asked for me to be there. And at one point, a little time had gone by, I I said, Lord, what am I doing here? This is not my scene. This This is not me. What am I doing here? And the Lord spoke to me, my heart, and said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, Michael. It's the sick. Stay. And oftentimes, I think as Christians, we've defined our lives in such a way, if we've been around the things of God and the church long enough, now it's all Christian friends and all this and all that. We we have no places where we even interact with unbelievers. How are we going to reach the lost if we don't talk to anybody who's lost? So as a Christian community, certainly we need to navigate these issues, right? Certainly we have to say, okay, this this is a good situation, this is not so good. But the goal is to reach the world with the gospel, you guys. And if the legalist is breathing down the neck, they were there breathing down Jesus' neck. Why would you go into that house? Doesn't he know who that woman is? Yeah, he knows. That's why he's there. Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. If we want to see... Our churches and country change. We're going to have to be salt and light in the world. We're going to have to move out of the church. We get, this is a holy huddle, right? We come here, we get encouraged, and then we move out with the hope of the gospel. Thank you. (laughs) So whether you then, 31, whether then you eat or drink, here's a sweeping statement, or whatever you do, how should you do it? Do all, not some, do all to the glory of God. And the glory of God is the good of my neighbor. It's to love my neighbor. It's God's top two. It simplifies life. It's putting weight where God says, this is weighty to me. This is important to me. This glorifies me when you do this. When you choose to step out and you give your time when it's inconvenient and somebody else is hurting over here and you went and you did it to the glory of God and the good of your neighbor, you are doing God's will there. You sacrificed your time. You gave a chunk of your life over here because you knew there was a potential opportunity to reach someone who needs to see the light of Christ. You took a little extra time with the coworker. What's a neighbor on your street who maybe even annoys you? 
you decided that you're going to start praying for them instead of complaining about them. Maybe you'll bring them a plate of cookies and invite them to church. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Do you feel equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you prepared to explain why you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you find it difficult to defend your Christian faith? The Ministry of Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. My hope in writing the book was to help each and every one of us know how to put on this armor so that we can be effective in our Christian walk and not fall and hurt ourselves and others. And of course, you know, we should be thinking about we don't want to dishonor our God who purchased us. And so we put on the provision. That's the takeaway is, hey, I know how to do this now. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. You gave a chunk of your life over here because you knew there was a potential opportunity to reach someone who needs to see the light of Christ. You took a little extra time with the coworker, was a neighbor on your street who maybe even annoys you. You decided that you're going to start praying for them instead of complaining about them. Maybe you'll bring them a plate of cookies and invite them to church. Instead of shaking your fist at them every time you pass by. <laughs> I'm going to give you a... <laughs> for some of you, that apparently was very personal. Anyway, I'll give you... A, this is a Raul Reese story. He said uh, he was... Er, I think it was fairly early in his pastorate. He, he would go... Early in the morning, he would, he would pick up another young man, and they would go off surfing. And there was this man, and he was always watering his lawn. And Raul would come by in his car, and he would say, Slow down! And Raul would say, I'm doing the speed limit, but this guy just felt compelled to yell at me. Slow down! Slow down! This was his famous line. So finally, Raul said, I passed him, and he did it again. And I stopped, and I burned rubber all the way back to his house. Now, keep in mind, he's a 10th degree black belt, Raul Reese. He said, I got out of the car, I got up in this guy's face, and I said, you're not God, and you're not my father. Don't you? And he said he was in this guy's face, ready to throw down. And he thought to himself, you know what? I'm a pastor. <laughs> what, what in the world am I doing? Can I, can I punch him to the glory of God? <laughs> Do you guys know that there is a story about Billy Graham that some, some guy came to his door and came up to the house of Billy Graham, began to yell at him, yeah, you're Billy Graham, you're not in the gospel. And Billy slugged the guy and knocked him to the ground, picked him up, and led him to Jesus Christ. <laughs> that could be a plan for some of you. I, I don't know. Just don't quote me. That was Billy Graham, okay? Anyway. All right, we wind down. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks, to the church of God, you can see the whole world there. You have Jew, Gentile, and the church, right? It would seem to encompass the whole world. Clear out the way. Don't stumble anybody, right? 
Let's clear out the way so people can find hope in Christ. Just as I also, Paul uses his life as an example. He certainly was. I please all men in all things. He's not saying I please all men in that sense, but I do things so that I might reach them. I become all things to all men. Not by compromise in terms of doctrine, but by compromise in terms of some things that he may, as a Jewish man, feel are important, but he lays them aside to reach people. Never sinful, but you understand. Not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many, that they may be what? That they may be saved. Can I ask you, when's the last time you preached the gospel to somebody who's not saved? And I'm saying that to myself. When's the last time your game plan for the day was, Lord, lead me to someone who needs to hear about the hope of Jesus? Aren't you glad someone prayed for you? Aren't you glad somebody stepped out and said, hey, there's a way. There's hope. And Paul closes with this verse that's familiar to a lot of us. He says, be imitators of me as I also imitate Christ, I want you to think about the evangelistic aspect of this verse. We've quoted it many times. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. But the verse before that was about saving the lost. And, if, and of course, Paul was an incredible evangelist all over the Roman world at the sacrifice of his own health, his own well-being. He says, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's not about you, he might say to the Corinthians. It's not about your so-called liberty to do anything you want to do. It's about, hey, what's going to be profitable in light of the glory of God? Amen? Father, thank you so much that we have your word to navigate this world. It's uh, hard at times to know some of these boundaries and lines and what we should and shouldn't do. And we probably can think of a number of situations and applications where we have to wrestle with these things, but we don't, we don't want to make more of them than they are. But if we're going to default to anything, it's going to be for the glory of God and the good of my neighbor, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, Lord. Help us to be men who have, men and women who have your heart. Help us as a church, Lord, to think in these kinds of terms. There's a freedom you're not being so self-consumed that every decision that you make during the day is about me, myself, and I. That, to me, is slavery. The person who is so self-consumed, they can't stop looking in the mirror. They can't stop think of, thinking about, how is this going to affect me? In the me generation that has certainly impacted all of us, Lord, if that is our life, it is a sad existence. But if we widen our gaze and we say, Lord, like Moses, show me your glory. Lord, I want to spend time with you so that when I come down from the mountain, when I, when I break the holy huddle, I can go out and do good. Do good to a neighbor. And oftentimes that good becomes a platform to the gospel. It becomes a means by which I've earned the right to be heard by this person because they see the love, your love in my life. And Lord, would you forgive me for the many times I have failed? I repent of that, Lord. The many times I've been self-centered and
self-consumed. Lord, give us a heart like yours. Let us set aside the things that so easily entangle, the things that consume us, the idols that are often made in our own image. Let us cast those aside and pursue a relationship with the living God. Thank you that you first loved us. Thank you that you pursued us. You sought us out. And now you say, I want you to go on love with a mission. A mission of love to get the gospel out to this world. Now, if you'd keep your head and heart bowed for a moment, can I ask you, do you know this love? It's a love that surpasses knowledge. It's a love that will change your life. It will change your priorities and your destiny. Do you open your heart today? If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the one who is love, you've heard the verses that God so loved the world that he gave his son, but maybe you don't know the son. Maybe you don't have life in him today. Something like this. Don't let this moment pass you by. Lord Jesus, would you pray it? Lord Jesus, save me. I've been living for myself for too long. I turn my life over to you. I repent of my sin. I receive what you did for me through the cross and the resurrection. I believe that you are God, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would you save me and change me from the inside out in Jesus' name? If you're a Christian and you've just gotten away and that glory seems like a distant thing to you, just spend a few moments in an attitude of worship and just say, Lord, I want to know your glory again. I want to know the power that I once did in my Christian life. I want to have that, that passion that flows from your presence and your power in my life. Do some business with the Lord before this service ends and just seek his face. He's so gracious to us. So good, so patient. He'll refresh you. He'll give you new vision, new passion, all that you need. In Jesus' name. You're listening to Walk in Truth. This was part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called For the Good of My Neighbor and the Glory of God. Hey, did you miss Pastor Michael's conversation last week with speaker and apologist Greg Kokel about building a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions? You can listen to this conversation on our free podcast. Walk in Truth is on podcast apps like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, Google Music, Spotify, and many more. Please follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Also, remember this is the last week to get your copy of Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, as a thank you when you give a gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. We are a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate the help of listeners like you, not only to broadcast on radio and podcast, but also to do the free events we have for the community, like the 633 event we did last Sunday night with Greg Kokel. Please give what you can and get your copy of Suit Up. That's our way of showing you some gratitude. Click the Donate button on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Again, click the Donate button on walkintruth.com or call 844 844- 48 Truth during normal business hours. Thank you. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, I really think it simplifies our lives. When we think about 
what can I do for the good of my neighbor and the glory of God? Or maybe flip it around. What can I do for the glory of God? Because God's always first. And the good of my neighbor. And my neighbor can really be anybody that I can minister to, including those closest to me. And speaking of those closest to me, we're going to be talking about marriage. Yes. In 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to be talking about heavenly roles. What's the role of a male and a female? How can we love our wives as Christ loved the church? And we're going to talk about submission and the God-ordained roles uh, in marriage. So stay tuned. Some sometimes controversial stuff, but stuff that has biblical clarity. And once it once we understand what the Bible's saying, I think we'll we'll see the beauty and the balance in it. So this Saturday, February the 1st, we have a men's breakfast. We do this monthly on the first Saturday of the month. And what we have is a great breakfast. We usually have some good pancakes and eggs and stuff like that, bacon or sausage or both. And we have a time of just food and fellowship. We have a time of teaching in the scriptures. And then we break into small groups. And this is Saturday morning, beginning at 8 a.m. at Living Truth in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. It's a great time of fellowship. It's a great time to connect with some other men, grow in your faith before you do your honey-do list on a Saturday. Come on out to Living Truth. We'd love to have you. I'll be here. I'd love to meet you. 8 a.m. You can find out information and directions when you download the free Living Truth app in your app store today. You'll be able to catch up on teaching that you missed and check out all the events going on at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. So glad you're listening to Walk in Truth. We'll catch you next time. Tune in tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 called Heavenly Roles. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.